0: Justin. Steve-O. Welcome back. What up, dude? How we doing? Uh, been better. How are <laughs> we doing?
1: <laughs> been better. Uh, for those of you who don't know, well, before I get into that, dude, we were on such a good pace the start of this year, working uh, on a two-week schedule, just pumping out content, mm-hmm. and then uh, I feel like things just kind of messed up a little bit, but the newest thing was, for me, I have been sick for the last week or so so we were supposed to record last wednesday i was sick couldn't do it we were supposed to then record over the weekend our first in-person one which i was really looking forward to i was still sick and uh now i'm here finally feeling better today uh one full week after we were initially supposed to record and uh you know on the downside it means we're a week behind but on the plus side i've had a lot more time to think about (laughs) this movie (laughs) uh so Dude, I, uh, yeah, overall, I'm doing good. Nothing to complain about, you know, feeling better good. after being sick. There's some. There's nothing quite like feeling better after feeling sick, you know, like being able to breathe through your nose without just sniffling all the time. It's something you really mm-hmm. take for granted. And, uh, you know, you don't ever feel grateful for it until it's been blocked up and you can't breathe at all. And then suddenly when you can yeah. breathe clean, you're like, oh, man, this is the best thing ever. So, you know, yeah, being sick gives you Pretty some great. perspective.
0: Yeah, it's right up there with when you're sick and you got like a stuffy nose. I don't know if anybody else does this, but you take a hot shower and you you blow your nose in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else does that or if that's super weird, oh, but yeah, of course. it feels great and just clearing out all the gunk. Anyways, what are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> speaking of taking things for granted, man, do we take superhero movies for granted because there are some really great things coming out uh we're here to talk about a fantastic movie that we've both seen recently and hopefully you guys have seen it too Uh, otherwise we're about to spoil the whole thing for you so we're talking about spider-man across the spider-verse the sequel to 2018's into the spider-verse and man that was that long. What ago? a movie! What a theater experience! Yeah, it has been that long. Dang. It's been five years, which is kind of crazy. It is
1: crazy, man.
0: The first Spider Verse movie feels like it, you know, just came out yesterday. Dang. Um, but the the third one, and we're getting into spoilers already, so you guys know the drill. We don't, we don't care we about don't keeping care. anything secret. But uh, yeah, this movie ends on a cliffhanger, and. Fortunately for those of us that are left on the edge of our seats after the end of this movie, uh, the third one, Beyond the Spider-Verse, is already set to come out um, in, I believe, May of 2024. So, not a long wait in comparison, but hopefully it's just as good as the first two parts because, in my opinion, the first Spider-Verse movie, and I think we talked about this a little bit when we went over our most uh, anticipated movies for the year, mm-hmm. The first Spider Verse movie for me is pretty much is is a ten out of ten. It's like it's a perfect movie. It's a one of the very few movies on my short list of perfect movies. Something that I've been thinking about more recently. I had a conversation with one of my friends about what we think some perfect movies are, and maybe we'll eventually do like an all time movie Mm -hmm. ranking list and discuss that a little bit further. But um, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse is pretty much flawless in my opinion. I I don't really think there's anything wrong with it other than the fact that it's probably 30 minutes too short. I would watch both of these movies for if they were like 3-hour behemoths. And duration I think is one thing that I've seen a lot of people have an issue with the uh for for this movie, Across the Spider-Verse. Um because it ended on a cliffhanger. Some people think that it may not be like a complete story on its own, which I disagree with. Um, but this movie is already like two hours and 20 minutes. So significantly longer than the first. And man, I tell you, I would have sat there for five hours. This is going to be a great, great marathon when all three are out. I'll tell you what.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I had never, I didn't see anybody complaining that it was too short. Um, you know, I mean, it, this was a pretty long movie, all in all. This was like two and a half hours, right? This was not like nowhere near a short movie. Um, but I definitely felt myself in the middle. I was like, because cause heading into it, we didn't know that, that it was going to be in a cliffhanger and be setting up for. We didn't even know that there was another one scheduled to come out. We kind of figured that there would be, you know, given how successful the first one was. But I was sitting well, there. Well, don't say like, we, because I knew that. Okay, well, you can the say the general that didn't public that. didn't necessarily know. Um yeah, okay fair. Or we didn't know at least that it would be a part 2 if there was going to be a sequel it might have been another, you know, full thing whatever. But uh yeah, I was sitting in the theater and it was getting like I was like it feels like it's been quite a long time sitting in this movie and like we're nowhere near resolution. Like there's no possible way they're going to resolve all this and then obviously they didn't the, you know, it was meant to be set up and that kind of helped reframe everything. Um, cause I was like, either this movie just feels like it's taken forever, which is not the case, or there's something fishy going on here. Um, you know, cause it felt like I was in the theater for a long time. So I was getting at the point in my head. I was like, if this continues and wraps all this up in a, you know, satisfying way, this is going to be like a four hour movie, or at least it's going to feel like it, which, you know, I was like, is this movie just dragging or something? But no, no, they just like and looking back on it too there was like not a whole lot of drag in this movie at all despite it being so long like no i mean obviously the animation is so fast-paced that it feels like something exciting is happening all the time but like Mm -hmm. looking back at the plot you know there's some moments especially between miles and his mother you know things like that where things slow down the first scene when he and gwen are sitting on the underside of the tower but other than like a few moments this movie just like keeps going and going and going and um and you know it's not like it pads out the two and a half hour runtime like there's so much that happens in this
0: movie um yeah yeah it it was it was really good (laughs) yeah no i agree the pacing of this movie was really excellently done in my opinion there's moments like you said where it slows down and hits its emotional beats but it doesn't screech to a halt in those moments and it doesn't ever feel like those are out of place either um they feel earned between all the characters and their relationships that firstly were built up in, uh, the first Spider-Verse movie, like you said, with Miles and Gwen, um, reconnecting after, you know, a year and a half of not seeing each other and, um, relationships that were further expounded on in this movie, like between Miles and his parents. Uh, he has a few conversations with with his mom that were really heartfelt. Um, and then, uh, also, relationships that were like newly explored in this movie, specifically between Gwen and her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really thought this was Gwen's movie, to be honest. I mean, it, it starts off with a monologue of her playing over the the drums, or, or talking over her playing the drums. And she's kind of the focus of the story for me. I know Miles is like the main protagonist, but Gwen really stole the show for me, this movie. Um, she has that awesome intro scene where she you know takes on this galileo-esque vulture uh from a different universe that was popped into hers that was so cool i loved his like paper like vitruvian man style Mm -hmm. uh art and his italian accent (laughs) and uh all the like cool gadgets that he had um and also he was like a real challenge. It took more than just Gwen and Spider-Man 2099 who shows up to assist with this uh reality hopping vulture. And it took another Spider-Woman also. Um I think her name's Jess. I don't know her full name. Jessica Drew. Uh, the cool one on the pregnant lady on the motorcycle. Yeah, Jessica Drew who awesome. actually is a uh, yes, her own you. character that's Spider-Woman
1: in the um yes. in the comics who is kind of a spider kind of has spider powers kind of not like she can fly and she can like shoot i think they're like venom blast but like laser blast so they uh, they didn't really adapt the uh the comic version of her because she also Mm -hmm. i don't know is not pregnant (laughs) well but yeah well it's a you know it's a variant it's a variant so spider woman is very much like a pretty relatively popular character in the comics so It was just an adaptation. Yeah, I
0: don't have a problem with them tweaking the exact comic uh, characters, especially because this is obviously a movie where there's pretty much infinite variants of Spider-Man. And, you know, some of them are going to be comic adjacent and some of them are just going to be a few, you know, tweaks away from being exactly the comic characters. But I don't really have an issue with them taking inspiration and making these characters their own. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. To see, you know, characters like Peter Parker and Miles Morales and Jessica Drew be their own versions in the movie, I have zero issue with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gwen in that first scene, like we see how good she is at being uh, her own version of Spider-Woman or Spider-Gwen. I don't know what we're going to call her. Um, but uh, we get this real tragic backstory of her and how her version of Peter Parker like became the lizard in her reality, and and she ended up, like, killing him inadvertently, trying to save everybody, Um, and how that affected her. uh, It affects her dad, who's the police chief, and, like, Peter was a uh, a family friend as well as Gwen's best friend at the time, and it just leads to this really interesting dynamic between Gwen and her dad where he's the chief of police trying to hunt down Spider-Woman and doesn't know that it's his own daughter, And she's obviously trying to keep her identity a secret um, while still doing the right thing and like saving people uh, while actively being hunted down by her dad, which is pretty crazy. Um, That relationship really comes to a head in this beautiful scene uh, in the third act of the movie where she heads home to her own reality and well, she gets booted home to her own reality. We'll say that. And, uh, yeah she just finally has it out with her dad they have this real heart to heart conversation and I mean you guys should just go watch it like her her art style for her universe was very watercolory and it changed with the emotion of like what was being said in the moment mm-hmm. which I thought was really gorgeous looking Yeah, and it was just a wonderful scene um, to see her and her dad break down the barriers that had divided them for so long and and come together again um, but yeah Gwen completely stole the show for me this movie I imagine Miles will kind of bookend the trilogy um, as the main character of one and three but for such an important character um, not only in the story but like to Miles as Gwen uh, it was really nice to see her get the spotlight for uh, for most of this movie Mhm. yeah
1: yeah no absolutely I mean uh, there's so many characters and obviously, even in the first movie, she was kind of a secondary main character, at least compared to the other, you know, Spider-Man variants. So, you know, like uh, Penny Parker and I was going to say Black Noir, that's that's something else. Spider-Man Noir, um, like even with those yeah, homelander Spider-Man's yeah, up next, yeah. um, even with those guys, like they were clearly less primary characters and more side characters gwen was still kind of a side character in the first one but was clearly more like a secondary main character than anything else and so it was cool getting to see her do more like she's super interesting she has to balance um you know being a daughter of the police chief but he doesn't know which is a uh, mm-hmm. which is another challenge that like peter at parker never has to deal with obviously miles morales does right so that's something that they have in common, which makes it interesting as well. Um, but it is also isn't just a generically, like, typical Spider-Man story that we've heard. Um, so that in and of itself is interesting. And, you know, she's super fun. Um, and she, you know, in this movie especially, she has some conflicting interests. She has secrets that she's keeping from Miles. So she's not just like a perfectly... You know, black and white character which is also pretty interesting like you know something's up the whole time but you can't yeah right? only
0: spider-man noir is the black and white character yeah, in, <laughs> in this series yeah. so far
1: <laughs> oh good one um but yeah so uh it was cool seeing her play a bit more of a part it, it makes sense that they're going to try to expand on some of the side characters they did a whole big dive on miles and his character in the first one and one of the issues that has been Running into some other comic book movies franchises, um, such as with Ant Man or with Thor, is the main character just gets stuck learning the same lesson every movie again and again and again and again, without ever actually seeming to grow or improve. And so Miles had such a good character arc, learning to trust himself, learning like to be the hero in the first one, that it was good. You know, he kind of learns the same lesson a little bit in this one. Like, there's the moment when there um he's on the i guess it's not technically a spaceship the the space elevator um getting chased by all the spider men and he you know sucks all the energy out of Spider-Man 99 and or 2099 and you know blasts him back and all that there's that scene which is kind of analogous to the the scene in the first one where he jumps off the uh, off the roof kind of all oh, that scene kind is of so at the height of his confidence i guess so yeah. is, is there some ana- analogies or analogous scenes, um, but it, they don't just retread it. And I think part of the way that they avoid that is by giving Gwen more of the spotlight. Um, mm-hmm. But you also don't want in a sequel, right. To just totally sideline the main character, because realistically a reason why a lot of people loved the first one was because of miles. He's super charismatic. He's super fun. He's super easy to root for. Um, He's not perfect, right? He makes a lot of dumb decisions and is a kid, but everyone's rooting for him. And so if they had like completely sidelined him at the expense of Gwen, I think people would have had a problem with that. But they did a really good job of you know, allowing him to have a lot of good moments. And he's still probably technically the, the main character, um, but obviously Gwen is kind of more the one with the character arc in this movie. Uh, So I think that all of that was just handled really well in a way that, you know, let her shine, didn't sideline Miles really at all. Still gave him plenty to do, um, but also didn't give him the burden of having to be the one with the main growth and character arc throughout the movie as well. Um, He's the one that's driving most of the plot, but in terms like character work, she's the one that gets most of it. And and I think that's good because it's like they didn't undo anything from the first one. In terms of his character, they didn't, you know, I don't know. Sequels are tricky. And I think that with that balance of returning characters and and all that, I think they did a, a really good job. So I was very satisfied with that. I was worried that they were just going to completely sideline him when the first 15 minutes were all of Gwen. Uh, and then that was not the case at all. So, yeah, I was very pleased with that.
0: Yeah, I definitely see this as more Gwen's story, or or Gwen's chapter in Miles' story. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, Miles doesn't really get sidelined at all. The movie does start off with a, a hefty portion of Gwen, and she's obviously a vital figure throughout the story. But Miles has plenty to do throughout, and obviously the last scene of the movie... You know, we'll talk about that in a sec, but it ends with a pretty crazy sequence for him, setting up a w- absolutely wild finale uh, next year. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's chat about some of the other spider people because I think uh, one of the big draws of the first movie was all these you know different unique spider people coming mm-hmm. together and and the different animation styles and the different uh, you know voice actors and, and all that despite having pretty much the same backstory you know they do that gag several times in the first one where they're like let's do this one more time and it's like the same exact backstory for every single spider-man and they did it in this movie um, too
1: with some of the new ones they did do that yeah.
0: they 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 kind of called back to my that, name is um, which Blanker i thought Blanker. was nice you know yeah uh but yeah no in the first movie uh we get um we get miles we get the peter parker who dies and miles uh universe we get peter b parker uh we get gwen we get spider-man noir we get penny parker and we get spider ham i think that's it i know spider-man 90 2099 shows up in the end credits yep uh yep that's it but i think that's the whole crew from the original mm-hmm. and those are all great um and i loved that we saw them back as a squad at the end of this movie getting ready to go help Miles out for the finale next year. Um, but I also love that we got to see, like, a whole new crop of Spider-People in this one. Like, Spider-Man 2099, obviously... I don't even know if I would say he's the, like, antagonist of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely a personal antagonist for Miles, but I yeah. until part three reveals more about what's going on, I don't know if I can say that Miguel O'Hara is you know the antagonist of these two movies. i mean he's
1: definitely the antagonist
0: doesn't mean he's the villain but he's
1: I, by, by the okay. technical definition he's the one that's opposed to miles who is clearly the protagonist so he's definitely okay. an antagonist he's fair. an antagonizing force um sure he's we'll, the, we'll say the, that the roadblocks for miles to clear but i i also wouldn't wouldn't say if i would label him a villain yet
0: either okay well that's fair uh i'll i'll agree with that um but yeah, we—he was great. I thought um, Oscar Isaac did a great job voicing this character. He was really menacing and also kind of had a valid point. Um, I guess we'll learn more about this. Well, he he says the Spider Verse sounds stupid, and then he calls it the Arachno-Humanoid Poly Multiverse, which I guess also sounds stupid. <laughs> but he has this whole um, philosophy that certain events need to happen in a spider person's life otherwise their universe will collapse um and there, these are canon events so um in one scene uh miles ends up saving uh, a police chief in this like indian uh version of manhattan mumbatan which i thought was that whole sequence was great That's um, funny. but he saves his miles saves his police chief which kind of stopped a canon event from happening for for indian spider-man um Paviter Prabhakar was that his name? Something like that. Uh, Something Indian. <laughs> they they call him Pav. So I'm just going to call him Pav. Yeah. Uh and he first of all hilarious. Uh but second of all had this canon event like stopped from occurring in his universe which potentially could have doomed the entire uh world in that reality. Um so Spider-Man 2099 claims to have gone through like a universe destroying event. Previously, because he messed up the canon of an existing universe. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why he, you know, is opposed to Miles because Miles' dad is about to be named police chief um, uh, or police captain because the captain has to to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Miles obviously wants to save his dad, but Miguel doesn't want to let him go back because if he, you know, risks saving his dad, then he puts potentially the fate of his entire world uh, at stake, at risk, yeah. which is a really interesting dichotomy. Um, obviously, Miguel has like valid reasoning. Uh, you know, it's one life over um, the fate of the potential billions that are in this world. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you can see Miles' point where he can't just let his dad die. Yeah. So it's not like Miguel as the antagonist is like an evil Spider-Man, but he has opposite goals to miles which puts them in a really interesting dynamic
1: yeah i mean it's a classic like villain who might not necessarily be technically wrong in the outcome that they're looking for but is like super wrong in how they're planning to get there right like they're they just they just take an ideological stance that in and of itself is not necessarily that bad right like he he wants to prevent this catastrophic cataclysmic event that he's already experienced right which is not a bad thing but he takes it to the degree of, like, wanting to literally hurt this, you know, teenager and also, you know, all just allowing people to die, preventing them from saving each other, stuff like that, which is just, you know, a whole level is like basically condemning people to die when he doesn't know for sure that that will, you know, solve... um like the, I don't know, the the issue is not going to, he doesn't know for sure that it's going to prevent the event again, you know, just because it happened one time, you know, anybody who does statistics or um, any type of science knows that it's just because something happens once doesn't mean that it's a regular occurrence, you know, like you have to have something happen right multiple times. And he's just like not willing to take that risk. He's not willing to look for alternate options or alternate solutions, um, and mm-hmm. that's really what makes him the antagonist, taking his stance to such an extreme, um, and obviously being very authoritarian in the way that he handles it. So,
0: right, yeah, he was definitely taking it a little bit too far, and like physically trying to stop Miles from going back to his universe and saving his dad. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the story develops in in the third movie where hopefully we learn, you know, one way or another, if Miguel's right or if he's wrong. Um, And obviously we want to see Miles save his dad. Like uh, Captain Morales is a great character and it would be terrible to see him, to see him go. Um, Not to mention the like irreversible pain that would, that would do to Miles. Yeah. So obviously we want to see him get saved, but we're going to learn more about the, uh, you know the fate of the Spider Verse and whether or not Miguel's correct in his assumption that you know canon events must occur in uh, these Spider yeah. places. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Overall, Spider Man Twenty Ninety Nine Miguel O'Hara was a great, great opposing force to Miles oh. in this movie, and I I want to see more of him yeah. too. I mean, he was great. Oscar Isaac always kills it. I mean, this guy is he's in the MCU now three times technically well he's in the mcu twice he's in marvel three times because he's spider-man 2099 which now i guess is technically mcu because of all the cameos we showed in him okay because yeah, it showed and we'll talk about the cameos in a sec yeah but he was also moon knight uh and he was apocalypse in x-men which the x-men how are they going to get folded into the mcu remains to be seen I wouldn't be surprised if they all get retconned to be part of the MCU, kind of like the Spider-Man movies were in No Way Home, Um, but I, we can't really make that call. Well, I mean, we already, we are, I mean, we know that the X-Men in a universe exists because we already saw
1: Professor X in Multiverse of Madness. Doesn't mean it's the same one, the, the same Professor X from the same universe that, apocalypse was in because obviously in the x-men we never saw any indication of like the fantastic four being there and right and john krasinski um mr fantastic was there but we know that generally the x-men exist which means in a universe there's an apocalypse which means we don't know that who's <laughs> who plays that apocalypse but in the theory it's not right. too far of a stretch especially once we know deadpool is coming to the mcu and we know that um hugh jackman logan is coming with him and so it, it it's kind of <laughs> heavily heavily implied. No, it's not a big stretch at all, so, but I uh,
0: will I'm just going to say he's in Marvel th- 3 times yeah. and MCU twice for sure yeah. with this movie, especially because I mean we saw as Miguel was like demonstrating to Miles like the, you know, the the whole spider verse. He showed this version of the multiverse as like the sacred timeline, which was exactly how we saw it in Loki and in Quantumania with like these blue tendrils like branching off from each other Mm -hmm. and then he you know swaps that visual to like this interconnected web of universes yeah for a more like spider-based visual but it clearly was um mcu related we also saw clips from the toby Maguire and andrew garfield spider-man movies in this movie and i mean that clearly connects it to the mcu as those characters were both in no way home um, yeah. And we also saw the craziest cameo to me was a live action Donald Glover prowler, yeah, that was sick. which was, it took me so off guard, Yeah, but it was awesome. Well,
1: cause he was in, uh, far from home, but or He's homecoming. Homecoming He's in homecoming. Yeah, he was in home, the first one he was in homecoming and he was like the prowler technically, but he had like one scene where he did anything so we didn't even see him in like the whole outfit and everything like that and then we see it here and that was so sick i was like dang like this is really yeah. bringing everything and they had him just in there with all the animation i'm like this dude is literally just sitting in front of a green screen just like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> chilling probably got paid yeah. thousands of dollars collecting just a nice paycheck for, for, sex, for doing yeah. absolutely nothing yeah. But it really made me wonder why, like, there was no Tom Holland um, cameo either, because it's not like, oh, it's like, oh, Tom Holland is the MCU, the Disney side, and they all, you know, Sony has all the rights to all these other ones. It's like, no, Sony still owns the Tom Holland Spider-Man. So I don't, like, it wouldn't have been any legal reason why he wouldn't have been in there. So maybe Tom Holland was just filming other things and they couldn't in the schedule or maybe they're waiting for a bigger reveal in the next one where he actually comes in and like fights alongside them or something ridiculous like that um that would be so cool but but it made me wonder because i'm like that's the recognizable brand that they're trying to push now right like if they're gonna try to connect other franchise mm-hmm. and it's spider-man it's not like you know it's not like it's a different frame obviously it's still spider-man so it made me curious as to why that was um it might just be simple as some scheduling thing he wasn't you know wasn't free to to do it but um either way super cool cameos all around and that's not even to mention the cameos in the background and the the fun references to the memes and uh just so many things i'm like i feel like oh yeah i feel like there's so much going on in this movie you could watch it a hundred times and if you really know Spider-Man lore, I mean, there's probably stuff that, I mean, there's definitely stuff that you and I didn't catch, and even if you're, like, a Mm -hmm. hardcore, hardcore Spider-Man lore guy that's, like, read all of his comics that have ever come out, you're probably still gonna miss stuff. Um, It was just so cool, and so many Easter eggs, and so many, you know, fun things without making that, like, the whole point of the movie, right? Like, like there's disney star wars kind of gets lost in the oh look remember this thing remember this reference remember this person and then kind of just fails at any like story and character point whereas this is like yeah it has all those fun moments which just every time you're pointing at the tv like yo let's go like i can't believe that you know they did the thing whatever but the movie is not about that like if you
0: took all of that out it would be just as good of a movie
1: um regardless
0: yeah it has it has plenty of fan service without being just completely pandering yeah to like all the little member berries that you want to to see as a spider-man fan exactly. it's not like the movie's built on hey look at this thing you recognize it's like here's a fantastic story with great action great animation great emotional beats great music we'll talk about that in a sec because the soundtrack for well i guess we'll talk, talk about it right now but the soundtrack for this movie absolutely banged i've been listening to it for the last two weeks and it's so good i'm still um, listening
1: to the fast uh, 10 soundtrack <laughs>
0: <laughs> that soundtrack uh, bangs
1: we didn't give that enough credit that's in true that episode, that's true but,
0: but yeah no this one's awesome but yeah like this, this movie does a great job of like putting the story and characters in the forefront and then giving you you know, little little Easter eggs and, and treats along the way uh, without that stealing the show and, you know, being the focus. Um, but yeah, as far as Tom Holland goes, I think at, at this point with, like, the number of MCU references in this movie, I think it'd be a surprise to not see him in the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be just, like, a clip from you know, one of his MCU appearances playing in the background or like shown as a reference to, uh, the main story. If we saw him like show up and actually team up with miles, that would be awesome. I doubt that's likely to happen, but you can dream. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, there were so many cool, uh, spider people when you go, when they first arrived, like spider headquarters, um, my personal favorites were... I really liked Ben Reilly. Uh, the, like, super emo Spider-Man voiced by Andy Sandberg with, like, the cut-off denim jacket and just, like, insanely ripped physique mm-hmm. who was just always in a mood talking about <laughs> how tragic his backstory was mm-hmm. and how he was thinking about it. Uh, he was great. I really liked the quick appearances also of... Um, the T-Rex Spider-Man, which, yeah. was, <laughs> which was awesome. And I really loved uh, Peter Parked Car. Yeah. Who, was it, it, was, it was like a blink and you'll miss it uh, kind of appearance. Uh-huh. Uh, he was like ferrying other spider people around the base. And it was, it was How great. does a spider but,
1: bite a car? Someone explain
0: that to me. Maybe a car bit a spider. Who how noticed? did a
1: spider bite a T-Rex? A spider could bite a T-Rex, sure. But how was there a lab that developed a radioactive spider
0: listen where they it's were all, a different universe may, maybe man. maybe Anything they were also happen. doing
1: jurassic park maybe it wasn't like billions of years ago maybe it was a modern day t-rex that they brought back in the same lab they Ooh, were doing. That's, that's a good point yeah. I, but yeah. my my crowd that uh was that i had watched in the theater with was loving the the western guy too the western spider-man oh, with yeah. the horse which the well, horse yeah. didn't seem to have the spider powers because he he made mention he's like i'm a Spider cowboy or whatever and this is my horse the horse had the mask and the horse could apparently shoot webs out of its feet but also the horse is also uh, there's a
0: scene where it's like standing upside down on the ceiling so i think the horse also has yeah i don't know how web slinger has like also spider powers but that was hilarious (laughs) every time he came on screen our whole crowd was just dying in our theater yeah it was phenomenal but obviously yeah, there's so many moments in the the spider headquarters where like you can just look around and see fifty different versions yeah. of Spider Man. Yeah. And there's something in there for everybody. Yeah.
1: But obviously one of them stands head and shoulders above the rest. Hobie Brown. And that's my boy Hobie yeah, Brown. This dude stole the show. I want the third movie hundred percent. You know how we said the first movie was a Miles movie, the second movie was a Gwen movie. I want the third movie to be a Hobie movie like oh yeah 100 he was the man his okay his animation is just some of the coolest so good i mean the animation in this whole franchise is just pushing the boundaries and completely like redefining what animation is and can be like after getting so many of the like looks really nice but also looks super boring at the same time like pixar types that they've been pushing out the last you know 10 mm-hmm. years where everything looks the same the same animation style all the disney movies all the pixar you know all of the dreamworks is copying it type of thing like seeing just the the energy and the life and the contrasting and conflicting animation styles in this movie and obviously the previous movie as well just it's so much more interesting it's like animation exists in this unique way that you can Literally anything you can imagine and draw down, you can make happen, which you just can't mm-hmm. do due to you know budget restrictions and physics in live action. And so if you spend the whole time trying to make it look as realistic as possible, you're just missing out on the whole like, purpose of the genre. And it's characters like Hobie Brown, like Spider-Punk, who like, exemplify that the most. Like this dude just walking around with a guitar, like... Is, and he has, like, this, I don't know, 70s, like, grunge rock, like, rock. It looks like he's out of a rock magazine. Like, look, every time they show him, is like he was clippings out of a magazine. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, dude, it, he looked so freaking cool. And obviously, his character was just so fun. And he's, like, constantly fighting, like, you know, fighting for anarchy and stuff like this. And all his side comments were great. But, like, even just his animation alone was just so good and so distinct like you knew his personality just from like his animation style if you just saw individual frames of him in the movie and didn't know anything else about him you would know his personality and that's just like a real testament to like the amazing work that the designers and the and the artists did um with creating his character and it's not just him but he's like the the best example of it um maybe it's just because he's new like we've been used to some of the other characters in this movie as well, or basically because of the previous movie um but yeah dude he brought so much life and energy and he was just hilarious and i'm so glad that he's be- gonna be back for the next one too um yeah big big. pretty big, big, big much every movie. line
0: that he said i was i was laughing at yeah and he had my favorite joke of the entire movie um when they're in uh and, and uh this like canon event is stopped the universe starts to kind of implode on itself and uh, there's this, this just like gaping black void that starts like sucking in all the buildings around it and the spider people are like what the heck is that like what's going on over there and he's like it's a metaphor for capitalism which like just absolutely she killed did. me it was so funny it fit his character personal perfectly um, it like was comedically timed perfectly and man like hobie brown was by far the coolest character in this entire movie and it's probably going to save the day because he is what what are you showing me i I have
1: a i have a card a hobie brown card just backwards because my camera's reversed but you see he's like the punk and everything i got this game uh marvel champions that i have had uh a bunch of cards that are based around like the spider heroes so like there's oh, nice. you know like ghost spider which is apparently what they call spider gwen this is jessica drew spider woman we got like miles and all that and one of the characters oh, nice. you came prepared you got yeah the whole, no, that's you what, got what the i was digging deck. through earlier there's the spider uk who shows up in this one who's like helping hunt down miles at the end the british sounding yeah. guy we got spider-man noir yeah, dude, it it was so cool cuz I've seen some of these characters like outside but haven't really known them and so seeing them in uh in the in the the movie was pretty sick. I even There's even one for Spot, who's the the main antagonist of the movie, which we can talk oh, about we'll him. Oh, we'll get to Spot. Um, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I just had to show that real quick. Sorry, I was too excited. Just, that's why I keep looking down. No, that's fine. Like, that's cool. I didn't Hobie, know you had all those let's cards. Go. He's like, yeah. I play with him Hobie, all the time dude, now. Ever since that movie came out, I'm, like, putting him in all my decks and stuff. It's so sick.
0: Yeah, dude, Hobie was sick. Yeah. Uh, I think his greatest superpower, though, is how he fits all that... <laughs> insane hair into his mask yeah. and like it doesn't change shape <laughs> yeah. miles too to a lesser extent like he basically has an afro and like i don't know how it fits under into the mask yeah. and the mask like it's pure animation magic yeah. obviously and it's superhero stuff so it doesn't have to make sense yeah. but like all these people all these spider people with hair like the mask does is not affected at all yeah. which i think is hilarious Wouldn't
1: even just like if you had a regular like decently long hair just like guy hair like, you would have lumps all on your head. Like, if you just had oh, the... Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, the, the... I don't know. I don't know exactly what type of cloth it is that they have. You know, when you pull it over, you're just going to have lumps all on your head. It's not going to be, like, <laughs> perfectly smooth. Yeah, smooth. Of course, it makes but, no sense. But it's... it's yeah.
0: oh man, Hobie is just so cool. Oh, yeah. He's the best. I, he just comes in, like, out of nowhere, too, with, like, a crazy, like, guitar riff. And, like, smashes through this wall that the other Spider-People were, like, trying to get through. um, And there's obvious, you know, chemistry between him and Gwen that Miles is very jealous of, which led to a lot of funny moments. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah. I mean, that was... He was great. I, I think he had my second favorite entrance in the whole movie. Uh, My other favorite entrance was Miguel in the opening sequence with Gwen. Yeah. Like, while she's struggling with Vulture... We just hear the Spider-Man 2099 theme, which absolutely slaps. Mm -hmm. And he, like, comes through this portal and, like, strikes a pose and, like, shoots these electric webs out at Vulture and, like, knocks him off Gwen. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, Man, this movie is just awesome. We're just gushing about it. I'm gushing about it at this point. But this movie, like, I think the only thing I can knock a point off for is I don't have a problem with it being a like part one of a part t- of a two part like story. And I understand nobody's going to go see an actual like five hour Spider-Man movie besides probably us. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to break it up into two parts, but man, I really can't stand the actual like to be continued. Yeah. Uh, like ending card. Matrix two did it. And it was like the worst thing I've ever seen. And I know it's a little bit different because this is a comic book, and comic books actually end with "to be continued." So I give it a little bit of leeway for that. But I really, I, I was so. Firstly, I was like, I need to see more of this, so I was like, I can't believe this is ending. Yeah. But I also like the actual "to be continued." Don't love that, so I, I would like knock maybe like a quarter of a point off for that. But this movie is is also near flawless in my opinion. Yeah. It's so good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I also don't really like that. I mean, I don't even like in the MCU when they do like the Star-Lord will return or, you know, Thor will return. Like, whatever it is, whenever they do the will return, I'm like, just let it be. Like, yeah. I mean, that's not even a, to be continued. But, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Like, I mean, this is a different circumstance. But could you imagine if at the end of... um. Like, in Infinity War, it just said, to be continued. Like, that just kind of, def- which, granted, Infinity War, like, was a complete story in itself and could have just ended there, right? The bad guy won, but it literally was a complete story. And it could have ended and been its own movie if they didn't do anything after it, right? Would have been disappointing right. because the bad guy would have won. Well, depending on your definition of disappointing, um, the bad guy won. So it you know it told a complete story and could have ended there, which this movie definitely could not have. This was very much a part one and a part two of one big movie um so you know, but if they had had just a to be continued you know after infinity war, it would have sucked all the life out of it. It would have been like, well, I mean, we know I mean, we obviously knew that there was a part two anyway, um but when when it's it's so immediate like the movie finishes and immediately it's like to be continued. It's like, Oh, well it just feels unsatisfying. It's like, well, why did I come to watch it anyway? You know, it's almost just like it's just a trailer for the next one, you know? And so it, it's obviously mm-hmm. different when it's like literally in the middle of a two part movie as opposed to being Um, like that. But I, I don't remember any other movie doing that. Like, like in Harry Potter, definitely Hallows part one and two. They didn't have something like that. Like, in a ton of other movies that have a part one and part two. They didn't do that fast X. They didn't have a dot, dot, dot to be continued. And that ended on a, this is two yeah. movies in a row. that just end on a big cliffhanger. Neither of which I was expecting to end on a cliffhanger. Cause I thought, Oh dude, I'm just, oh, this is a, oh.
0: hey, you're clearly off the ball. Yeah, okay. And I know you mentioned it before that you didn't know this was going to be a, a two parter here. I just want to add for the record, uh, After the first Spider-Verse movie came out and they announced, like, sequels, they had announced movies two and three to be Across the Spider-Verse part one and two. And it was marketed that way for a good while. And then, you know, within the past year, like, they changed it to Across the Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse. So I knew there was a third one coming already, and I knew this was, like, it had been marketed as a part one and part two. I didn't expect it to end on it to be continued, but I did expect it to, you know tell one story over two movies. Well, maybe so. I did a better job that's avoiding on you buddy boy. I did
1: I do my best to avoid uh marketing and apparently I did a better that's, job than that's I thought. fair. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: I mean the ending still took me by surprise yeah. for sure, but I can totally see the draw in um, like what like like we normally do with uh not watching any trailers or anything like that. Yeah. Um, this is kind of to an extreme where you didn't even know there was a sequel like, on the horizon, yeah. so... Well, I mean, I figured uh, that there would yeah. be,
1: because, I mean, the first one was so popular that they were going to stretch yeah. it, and there probably will be more after the third one, realistically, if they do well, which we can debate on whether they should or not, but, um, like, there's still a decent chance that they, you know, either have a spin off focusing on one of the side characters or have a, a TV show based off it, or, you know, if they don't, do a fourth and a fifth, but I would be surprised if they don't, because when studios find a franchise that people love, they just keep making it. So. Right, they milk it.
0: Yeah. yeah, and Sony has to keep making Spider-Man-related um, projects in order to keep the rights to the character, which is why we're getting, like, Venom and Morbius and Craven the Hunter. The trailer just dropped for that, which nobody cares about those characters besides Venom. And, like, Sony's only making those as ways to keep their grasp on the spider-man ip otherwise it'll revert back to marvel so does that mean that aaron
1: taylor johnson is also in the mcu twice because he's playing Uh, no i don't
0: count any of the sony stuff even venom like appearing uh in the mcu verse at the end of venom 2 and like his cameo at the end of no way home credits like i don't count those like they're so bad the only reason that they're in there is because of um like this, this Trust legal emotion, yeah. BS but with just because it's Sony bad doesn't
1: mean it's not. You know, just because it's bad doesn't mean yeah. It's not still but created. I'm not.
0: If I do in future like MCU marathons, which are like getting to be <laughs> yeah insane. You're not uh, I'm not watching all the X Men and I'm not watching. I'm not. You're. T- yeah. I'm not watching Morbius, dude. I'm not <laughs> doing it. I'm not doing it. Uh, uh, meanwhile, the Spider Verse trilogy, and again, like we'll probably debate after the third one if more are, are announced or if you know other things happen down the line that may or may not confirm the continuation of the series like Mm -hmm. if they keep making these as good quality as they are so far through the first two like i have no problem with that yeah um it'll become an issue if they you know keep milking it and the, the quality declines but i mean if they put this much like tender love and care into uh future spider-verse movies like you can make 50 of these yeah. and i'll watch them all so
1: yeah was this movie do you know was this movie supposed to come out sooner and was like covid did that mess with it at all or or did they um, or did i don't they... think
0: so i think that that the animation just took a long time on this yeah. movie and because three but uh, not three and four uh, because two and three are coming out so close you know so close to each other they're basically doing them all they're them both at the same time. So it's kind of more like. And I the, think I heard that Hobie's animation actually took the longest because they had to get it like just right, and it's so drastically different from everything else in the movie yeah. that I totally believe that. So yeah, no confirmation on whether or not that's actually the case, but that's what I've heard.
1: So it was kind of more like uh, an Avatar situation where they where there was such a long time between them so that they could come out in relatively quick succession that they would, um, you know have a lot of the in avatars case cg and and sets and stuff like that prepared to then knock them out one in a row Mm -hmm. it was more of that okay because i was like if they spent five years like that just shows i mean you don't want people to forget about your movie right but not that anyone was gonna forget about into the spider-verse but you know you the companies that got deadlines to meet. you know so many movies rush out stuff to meet deadlines you know we've gotten stories of in the mcu specifically of you know directors changing what they want up to like two months before the movie's even released uh how they want scenes to look or like a one month before the scene or before the movie's even released um changing how they want cg to look and like i think i i read somewhere that like the the suits in endgame that the avengers wear into like the time machine, like that changed so many times. They didn't even know what they wanted to look like when they filmed it. And they ended up, you know, changing those multiple times within the last like two months before the movie even came out, which is why they look not so good. Like the white um, suits. Uh, And so it's just so commonplace, especially with superhero movies that are very CG heavy for directors to be unsure, to change what they want uh, to not give animators enough time or heads up to kind of do good work. Um, and here it's like very, very clear that they planned out every single frame of the entire movie and they took the time that it was needed in order to do a good job and put the best, you know, the best possible animation forward that they could, um, and it it's just so high quality. It's really amazing and I'm I'm curious if other companies are going to start copying this animation style. Um it's pretty unique. So I don't know how easy it would be to replicate, especially if you're going for a more, you know, meet deadlines pump out content type of approach that a lot of uh, you know, production companies have. But it really just stands out from all of animation. And even just like movies in general, CG, animation, just visual effects. Like this this franchise just sticks out, is so distinct. And I remember when I saw the first trailer for the first one. Because um, this was back before Ragnarok came out when the trailer started dropping. This was back when I still was watching some trailers. I thought I was going to hate it, to be honest. I thought it was going to give me a headache. I thought it was too much like small jump cuts type of thing. That it would my head was just going to not like it and you know mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot to keep up with especially in the the fighting scenes in this movie and in the first one as well obviously but despite being like so fast paced it just feels smooth too and it, it just it's so p- pleasing to look at i don't know i don't really know how to describe it um it's just excellent it's just excellent is what it is. it's it's so good and it's it's really a testament to the creators and the director, um, which I don't even I don't even know who directed it, but whoever did, um, and the animators—it is uh, Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller, this, the
0: same guys who did uh, Lego Movie, so they have obvious animation shops. and they're clearly not the ones like yeah. you know doing the animation by hand, but you know, um,
1: designing it and stuff. But right, shout out to Lord, man! In between making music, taking time to, uh, <laughs> and Miller, Brandon Miller, about to get drafted. Second here tomorrow, yeah. Drafts tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Celtics, Anyways. might have just traded for Chris House Porzenos, which is insane. <laughs> but yeah, that's wild.
0: But we're getting a big up. draft going, a uh, big trade going down before the draft. Yeah, but that's totally total another Um, but shout um, out to
1: them because they, yeah, like this, this whole yeah, movie is just a piece of art, a love letter to storytelling and to comic books and to the character of Miles Morales. And it's like, man it just gives me hope. There's still really good stuff out there. It's, it's so, yeah, it's so good.
0: Yeah. Last, uh, well, not really, I guess this will be the last big thing we touch on, uh, was, uh, the true villain of this movie. And I guess really the, the main villain for parts two and three here, um, the spot voiced by Jason, 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 Jason Schwartzman. Um, I thought he was terrific. Uh, what an interesting power set to be able to like set these like portals basically anywhere and use them to his own advantage, but also the massive level up he got from interacting with another collider in the midst of this movie, and now he's like a multiversal threat because he can go anywhere. So cool. Um, I also love that his whole existence was a callback to the first movie where... Miles hits one of these Alchemax scientists with a bagel, uh, which was just great. (laughs) And that guy that got hit with the bagel turns out to be the Spot. So, yeah. I mean, that was just a funny moment from the first one that got retconned into, like, a a serious villain development. Um, And Spot, yeah, I mean, he's a huge threat now. Like, Miles could barely contain him with, with everything he had, you know when he was kind of underpowered and and goofy um due to the slippery nature of his like portal spots but now he's like a big deal he's he's not just the villain of the week he's Miles' nemesis at this point um and i have no idea how they're going to take him down yeah. what are they like he seems way to too do? powerful yeah he's way too powerful i mean
1: they'll build some machine they'll do some tech gobbledygook or are they gonna do time travel? Cause apparently, according to the MCU, multiverse equals time travel. So mm, that is true. That's possible. I mean, just because they're clearly the exact same thing. But I'm I'm wondering, is that gonna be something that they pull in, or is it just gonna be some machine that they make that, you know you know makes his atoms solid or whatever said he no longer has his powers i don't know what they do with the uh like in no way home where dr strange just makes the bracelet that magically removes their powers type of thing i guess dr strange doesn't make that he makes the one that sends him there but peter just like reverse engineers all their powers like is that gonna be they're just gonna make some well uh
0: it wasn't magic they had the stark tech Fabricator that yeah. could just make anything, so yeah. that might be magic. But better not make uh, homes for homeless yeah. people or like no, it'll be it'll be medical interesting to see.
1: devices. <laughs> better just make, yeah, mcu really not has sand. a lot of
0: actual problems that could be solved as per our discussion on Quantum Mania <laughs> oh and their enlarging of food that could have you know saved world hunger uh, globally. But, anyways, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they deal with spot. Um, I hope that Tom Holland has, like, a hand in it. And I also hope that Lego Spider-Man has a hand in it. Because yeah. he had a great scene. What the heck? Uh, I thought the Lego appearance was really great.
1: Why was he not in more of
0: the movie? Come on, Sony. Couldn't tell you. Actually, I could tell you. Is because um, when the first trailer for Across the Spider-Verse came out, uh, there is a kid... And I say, he's actually like a 14-year-old kid. And I don't know the YouTube channel's name. So I can't cite it properly. But um, this like 14-year-old kid does crazy Lego animations uh, online. And he recreated like the entire Spider-Verse trailer um, in Lego. And so Lord and Miller like reached out to him. And they had him do like a whole sequence in the movie in Lego. So that whole little bit uh, of, like, Lego Jameson and Lego Peter Parker uh, was done by this, like, 14-year-old kid, which was amazing to learn about. That's awesome. Um, But, yeah, like, that's just why he wasn't in the whole movie is because this was kind of like a tacked-on scene, even though it fit the movie perfectly. Uh, It wasn't, like, planned to be in there from the beginning. So
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: pretty sweet, though, right?
1: yeah no that's super cool that's super cool man what a legend just like
0: the rest of the movie it was super cool yeah yeah this movie i mean i gotta give it like a 9.7 9.8 like it's basically a perfect movie for me i just knock a little bit of credit off for the actual to be continued um, card at the Mm -hmm. end but like The only other gripe that I have with this movie is that it's not longer. Like I'm dead serious. I would watch like a four-hour Spider Verse movie. Yeah, I've seen it twice, and it 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 went by way faster the second time. Like we already, you know, reached Mumbai, and I was like, wow, this is this movie's clicking along. Mm -hmm. It did not feel like a two and a half hour movie. Um, and yeah, like this is gonna be a fantastic marathon for all three of these when when the third part comes out uh, next spring oh no no so i'm very much looking forward to this sequel if they make more we'll get to those when we get to those mm-hmm. but yeah i mean an average of like a 9.9 9 is pretty good for uh two movies especially coming from sony who has just completely dropped the ball with almost all their live action stuff yeah yeah No, it's crazy it seems like it's an entirely just different company
1: like i don't know <clears throat> I don't know how they got approval to have like the creative control over this, or or what, but it's it's amazing. So hats off to everyone involved with the making of these movies. Um, it really does. It 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 makes me wonder about the next one, just because I think I'm gonna have to see the next one before giving this my final grade, because um, I think that does matter. Although, I'm going to say I'm probably at like a 9.3 or 9.4 or something like that. It's definitely the best movie that's come out, in my opinion, this year or last year. Um, The best movie that's come out in in a long while. I think the fact that it didn't have like a full story, which again is something that differentiates it from something like Infinity War. Um, Like, I loved Infinity War. It was my favorite movie in the MCU. But again, it could have been a self-contained movie, even though it was technically a part one. Whereas this one, not really the case. Um, so that knocks it down a little bit. And then I think the part that knocks it down also slightly is just like the unbelievableness that Miles would be there with all these thousands upon thousands of Spider-Men and them chasing in the middle, which was super cool. But nobody was able. Like, I'm not a single person was able to get him. I'm like, I mean, I get he's the main character and everything, but that's you're a, talking about a, that's that's a level little bit of un- believability
0: in an animated movie yeah. about infinite people with Spider-Man powers because they got bit by radioactive spiders yeah. that gave them super strength and abilities instead of just killing them. 100%. Yeah, okay. But just letting, just making sure. Yeah.
1: Uh. So I mean, but other than that, and I, I honestly have been going back and forth in my mind whether I liked this one or the first one better. I do think I still like the first one slightly better. Um mm-hmm. me too. I think I think the surrounding cast of characters overall was more fun in the first one. I don't know if better is the right word. Like Spider Man twenty nine. You're didn't disrespect awesome. Hobie like well, that. I was gonna say gonna I was gonna Hobie say like overall. That. Like Hobie is the best side character Unless you count Gwen as a side character from the first one. Um, but like missing out on Noir and, you know, Spider Ham, you know, Penny Parker, whatever. But those two, especially, is like, man, um, yeah, I don't know. This is a really, really good movie. So I think I still technically like the first one a bit more. I think it's a little bit tighter of a mm-hmm. story. Um, but if that one's a 9.6 or 9.7, this one, you know, nine three nine four right underneath it, definitely the best movie, just not superhero, just period in like the last oh, yeah. year, at, at least since Top Gun Maverick. I think I still, <clears throat> excuse me, still like this more than Top Gun Maverick, but that's the only one that's like really even close in the last couple of years. years. Um, so yeah, I just, this movie shoots right up into my probably like top 10 superhero movies of all time. It's right up there with Infinity War and Logan and the first one. Um oh, easily. Yeah. Uh, so I don't easily. know. I don't know if it quite makes my top five because Dark Knight is also up there. Um so th- that's my top four currently, and number five is probably between this and either right. either Ragnarok or Endgame. I know I had Ragnarok above endgame in my MC ranking. Um which I still stick to just as a personal favorite, but in terms of like significance of superhero movies, I mean, obviously Endgame's higher. So those three, this one and those two are kind of all, all up there. Like, but when I look at them individually, I'm like, I probably enjoyed Endgame more than this as a theater experience. I probably enjoyed this more than Ragnarok as a theater experience, but I probably like Ragnarok. Just on like a personal level, because Thor is my favorite, you know,
0: big screen yeah. superhero. That's, even up
1: to this point, um,
0: that's totally fair. So, and I think it's it's, it's, it's definitely fair to judge uh, part two. Well, I, I'm gonna say part two, but I really mean this uh, movie's sequel, like Across the Spider Verse and Beyond the Spider Verse, when it comes out next year. I think it'll be fair to judge and rejudge the two mm-hmm. of them together um because they're meant to be one story uh i mean i can't imagine at this point they're gonna you know fall on their face at the at the landing here Mm -hmm. but um if for some reason they do you know trip over their own feet at the finish line uh that will definitely affect my viewing of uh this this movie um whereas i do agree that like the first one is self-contained and fully watchable on its own and like doesn't need the sequel yeah i think not that it's necessarily a knock for me yet because we have yet to see the third movie but like if this movie and the series doesn't have a great finale. It could definitely affect my viewing of of this movie. Yeah. So I mean, there's no way it will. We'll have to rejudge when uh, the third one comes out next year. But but it also for could now, get, I'm just
1: it also could get totally you know helped by the next movie. Like it could be even better. Oh yeah. By the next one goes. hundred so percent. Either way, it's going to have an impact. Probably. Like I think it's will be kind of surprising if it doesn't really affect it at all. And if it is, that's just because it's as awesome as we expect it to be. Right
0: um yeah and if that's the case that i'm totally fine with yeah. that so i also just had another one pop into my
1: head which might actually be my number five and you're gonna hate me when i say this but kick ass oh boy if that counts as a superhero movie might be my number it does five a
0: superhero movie it doesn't belong <laughs> that anywhere so near good your top dude. Five. That, that movie is so good fine. the second one's not it's not the second one's not but that dude. first
1: one dude oh is so
0: it's so good uh i mean it's good it's not uh, remotely it's not even in my top like I, I told you you're There's gonna no anyway
1: i said it but oh
0: uh, well we gotta wrap this yeah. up now before i lose my mind <laughs> about you saying kick ass is probably better than across the spider verse that's ridiculous oh, dude anyways that's been our review yeah. of uh, across the spider verse um hopefully y'all have seen it by now uh it's definitely worth a theater experience in my mind um It's worth a viewing anywhere, but if you can see it on a big screen with big sound, go do it before it's too late. Um, We got some big heavy hitters moving into the the big screen in the next month, Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Spider-Verse gets booted out uh, eventually here, so Mm -hmm. before it gets out of there, go see it on the big screen. It's totally worth it. You will not regret it.
1: Yep. Go see it. It's awesome. It's so much better on the big screen, too, which, I mean, all these Mm -hmm. movies are. But, yeah, dude, and you mentioned yeah. the summer, man. There's some real bangers coming up. I'm so excited. I don't. I think I'm gonna nope. have a hard time s- seeing all of them in theaters, just budgetary r- reasons. Like, I've already seen like seven movies in theater this year, which is more than I've seen the last couple of years combined. <laughs> and I just no, you gotta get you gotta get a, gotta get a subscription. Yeah. I'm telling uh, you, may, dude. Maybe we'll see. I mean, Netflix is now doing its, you know, pulling its crap where it's no longer letting us you know split as a family um with my wife's family so we uh we're having to reevaluate some of our just viewing expenditures um as we are like well do we want to pay for that by ourselves and if so you know how's that going to work stuff like that so we'll see but uh at the very you know so because of that i probably am not going to end up seeing flash in theaters um I definitely am going to see Mission Impossible, definitely going to see Dune, um, Oppenheimer I would like to see, but we'll see. Uh, that's one of the ones that I'm very excited for as well, so um, I'm hoping I can make yeah. that work. I mean, for me,
0: that that absolutely has to be seen yeah. on the big screen. Yeah. I mean, we got, as of right now, I think the next month is pretty chock full of of great movies. I mean, Flash came out last week. I saw it. We're probably not going to review it because you're not going to see it. Maybe I'll do a little quick review on my own and we can upload that but yeah. uh next week indiana jones comes out which is probably not going to be very good <laughs> just saying yeah, uh, and then yeah mid-july we have mission impossible which is going to be fantastic and then the following week we have the barbie oppenheimer double feature everybody's waiting for uh dune unfortunately isn't until october but i think yeah. the good news is that there's not too much competing with it so we can wait for what is sure to be one of the best movies of the year. But yeah, some real crazy heavy hitters yeah. popping up in the next few weeks. Plus, Plus,
1: uh, first episode of Secret Invasion just dropped today. So I, mm, um, I watched it. Yeah, I have not yet seen it because, well, I was working all day and then I hopped on this call with you, but also Lydia is working tonight. So I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, well, tomorrow I have to drive her to the airport because we're going to Peru with her family next week. is going to be sick. So I'm glad gonna I'm going to have to just, over just watch it on the plane. Yeah, I'll probably watch nah, not, not on the just plane. Not it. Just download it on Disney Plus and watch it on the plane. No, nah, I'll probably watch it with her family because a bunch of them are super into Marvel too. So we'll watch sometime during the week and then maybe the next episode too. But uh, that's coming out, which means we'll get to we'll get to go back to doing TV a little bit, which is fun because oh, we haven't yeah. reviewed a TV show in a long time. And also, we finally – this is a little old news at this point, but we finally got a uh, – a premiere date for the wheel of time season two which i know we're both equally thrilled about uh which is september yeah, 1st equally thrilled as like minimum level september 1st uh which i'm getting my hopes up a little bit um just talking our, our sister julia is finishing up the books she's on book 12 now right at the end out of 14 and she's just hitting me with all these i can't believe that just happened like oh my gosh this did what and i'm just like yo this series, this book series, has some of the craziest things ever put to page in it, and I'm like, if they can even hit like a tenth of that, then I'll be a little bit happy. Unfortunately, it was not looking so good after the first season. Yeah, I was not gonna say really after season it. one,
0: I think a tenth is is stretching it for what this show can accomplish. I'm not, I'm not expecting maybe we'll it. be pleasantly surprised. I'm not
1: expecting it, but they also gave all the excuses of covid and you know yada 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 so now that can't be an excuse anymore so i'm like there's there's their chance to like get it right and uh if not i'll probably just cry myself to sleep eight weeks in a row um but i'm committed to watching yep. this season through um but after that we'll see because yeah Dude, you gotta read those books. It's so good. <laughs> They're so Dude, good. I
0: <laughs> am reading a different series right now. I'll get to them eventually. Yeah. You keep hounding me about yeah. it. But I am Yeah. I am we too. got plenty of stuff to uh to review coming up. It's gonna be a busy summer, so we'll try to yeah. do our best to stay on our track. Um, cause we were really keeping to a good schedule at the beginning of the year and yeah. family vacation and the busy start to the summer here has been uh throwing us off slightly, but We'll be back yeah, in two we weeks. Will, uh, yes, sir, we will. And uh, we'll, we'll be chatting then. So, Sir. That'll be it for this time. Until then. Deuces. Peace.